I'll direct your attention to the reading of the Holy Word of God from the second epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. Our inspirational music will be from J.C. Davenport. Happy Sabbath once again. Happy Sabbath. Um, I'm going to be singing a really special hymn to me. And you can sing along if you want. It's hymn number 327. I'd rather have Jesus.
message will be brought by Jerry Van Stratton. Thank you, Bruce. We had a wonderful uh, day yesterday. We've been really well received by Bruce and by Pastor Daniel. And he mentioned about the heritage of this church. And I'm really privileged and humbled that I may be speaking here this Sabbath morning. As three angels are watching over us, I do believe that they are here this morning. We read in Psalms 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Let's be still one moment in the understanding that we have a creator that is near in this moment with us through his Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, we come before you once more in the beginning of this message to imprint, Father, to engrave in our souls that you are with us. In every shrub, priest, spear of grass, we can see your fingerprint and the understanding that you are the creator of heaven and earth. It's evident, Lord, self-evident that you are with us. Thank you, Father, for that assurance that we receive in Jesus Christ, that we will see each other once more face to face. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Not only when we look into the creation, we see that Christ is with us. We see it in Jesus Christ as well. Emmanuel, God with us. God was manifested in the flesh. And in this particular moment, Jesus was in Nazareth. He was gladly received there. A throng was gathered around him and people pressed together around Jesus. Everyone wanted to see his face, wanted to touch him, wanted to speak him, to catch the smile from Jesus. There was this one man called Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And he saw Jesus and he fell before his floor, before his feet, and he begged Jesus to come to his house. Because his little girl, his daughter, was at the point of death. Jesus followed him towards his house. And he moved slowly as the people was pressing closely towards him. But Jairus was not the only one that was seeking health in behalf of his daughter. It was a lady was suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years long. She tried everything that she could to find healing, to be restored. She went to a physician, and from physician to another physician. Medication on medication, treatment upon treatment. But she found no healing. She spent all her livelihood, all her money to find healing. She probably sold her house. She was left with nothing. And her sickness only became worse. She probably was discouraged, but when she heard about the Messiah, about there was a man that was healing people, teaching, preaching, comforting people, she found hope. And just as Jairus, she looked for Jesus to find healing. But remember this, 
she was suffering from a hemorrhage and because of the by the law of Moses she was declared unclean but despite of that she wanted to meet Jesus but there was a throng a mass of people a multitude of people gathered around Jesus how is she able to reach him despite of that she pressed through wanted to reach Jesus. He said, if I'm only able to touch his garment, I will be healed. I will be healed. She pressed through the throng and we read and look that she was just only able to touch the border of his garment. She probably fell on her knees and as she tried to reach that garment and extend her arm and stretch it as far as possible, she just barely reached the border of his garment. She was healed immediately. Christ asked, who touched me? And it was not of ignorance. No, he was aware that the lady was seeking for him. The disciples told, Jesus rather baffled, well Lord, there's a whole mass of people around you. Of course you are touched. He said, no. Virtue has left me. And as this lady saw that she was not hit, she fell before Jesus' feet and she said, Sorry, Lord, and she confessed what she did. But the Lord Jesus, He comforted her. He said, Daughter, be ye of good comfort. Thy faith has made me, has made you whole. Go in peace. She thought, he thought that she was presumptuous, but the Lord Jesus made sure that she went out in peace. Wildwood is a place where many people come to find healing just like the hemorrhaging woman. Wildwood is a place with a lifestyle center where people come for 11 days or more and they're being taught about the health message. What to eat, what not to eat. And they also receive treatment. And many of those that come to Wildwood have been suffering. They've been to physician to physician, into the hospital, out of the hospital. Finding, trying to find healing. But where were they seeking? There's a quotation in the Ministry of Healing, page 36. When any part of the body sustains injury, a healing process is at once begun. Nature's agencies are set at work to restore soundness. But the power working through these agencies is the power of God. All life-giving power is from Him. Yes. When one recovers from disease, it is God who restores him. Many go through the hospital to do the physicians and put the trust in men, forgetting that God is the one that's restoring them. God is not integrated in modern day medicine, so therefore there is no healing. When God is excluded from seeking healing, we find no healing. But where does sickness Originate. Where does it come from? Now, 
to find that out, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Because this is the point where everything went wrong. And often when I have a question and something is not clear in life, I go back to Genesis chapter 3 and I find out the answer. You find here the account of Adam and Eve falling. What was the first mistake that Eve made in Genesis chapter 3? She left Adam and she was found alone at the tree. And she encounters the serpent. And notice this was a subtle serpent, a cunning serpent. And the first thing that he does is he lies. We know that it is Satan speaking through the serpent, and he is speaking accordingly to his nature. He is the father of his lie, and the only thing he can do is lying. And this is what he does. And he raises up the question in verse 1, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. This is the question that he raises up. And this confuses Eve. She knows that she's not allowed to be here, but still she, she's there and she encounters the snake. We know that eventually, as she speaks with the snake, that in verse 6, she sees that, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she believed the lie of the serpent. And it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. What happens afterwards? They see that they are naked, and they make clothes. Notice this, the lady that was hemorrhaging, she, when she noticed that she was not hit, she fell before Christ and she saw that Christ was a merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. Amen. She fell before him and confessed. But when Adam and Eve, they were shamed and naked, they were not hid and they knew that there was something wrong as soon as they heard the voice of God. They hid themselves. Yes. They did not trust God. They did not trust God and His character. And where the lady, she knew that Christ would forgive her and would send her off with comfort and peace. It is for this reason that they failed to understand that God would forgive Adam and Eve that they were sent away from the garden. As God asked about the issue, Adam was accusing God, was accusing Eve, and Eve was accusing the snake. There was conflict. The trust issue that we see here is inherent to the sin problem. And this distrust is a state of mind. Ellen White writes in Testimonies for the Church, volume 5, page 444, Sickness of the mind prevails everywhere. Nine-tenths of the diseases from which men suffer have their foundation here. If you go to Matthew 5, 
verse 28, we see this principle explained as well. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Sin starts in the mind. And when we look at people that are sick and often they are discouraged, anxious, afraid, we often think that these are the results of sickness. But we see that the Bible tells us that sickness originates from this. Where there is no trust, there is conflict. And where there is conflict, there is no peace. So people are stressed. People are afraid. And this is where sin and also sickness originates from. I've been working in a department in the Lifestyle Center, which is called Guest Services. And when people want to come to the Lifestyle Program and they call Wildwood, they will the call will be received at the guest service department. So they will speak to me or one of my colleagues. And often I find people anxious and afraid and sad on the phone. At one time there was a man that called and he was crying on the phone. He says, Jerry, please promise me that the whole of Wildwood will pray for my son. He's a drug addict. So I promised that I would pray for him. Three months later, he came to Wildwood. The prayer was heard. People are distressed and in need of comfort. And often I find myself reading scriptures to them instead of actually telling about Wildwood and what they need to do to come. People are in need of a message. Amen. A message of trust. Yes. A message that God is still engaged with His people. And we find them in the health message. Because it's divine counsel. Do we still have trust issues? As Adam and Eve had trust issues with God. When we look into this world and we see sick, sick people, we see war. Are we angry with God? We raise up the question, Father, what's going on? Do we accuse God of the problems that we have in this world, just like Adam? It is actually a pretty good verse here in Psalms 42, verse 5, that raises this, or refers that question back to us. Psalms 42, verse 5. It reads, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? What is the reason that we are struggling? What is the reason that we accuse the Father and say, The Lord, it's your fault that I'm in this, in this mess. There was one lady, she was a schizophrenic, and I spoke with her. And she told me that she cursed the Lord because she was angry that she was going through this sickness. What do you tell someone that, that curses God? What do you tell a person that curses God? The first continues. Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. 
If you continue to reading verse 8, Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. He commands His love towards us. Amen. Yes. So we see the stars, they commanded on the heaven, and they steadfast and they are there. The moon is there, the sun is there every morning. Also God commands His love towards us. And He has done this in Jesus Christ. So therefore we can be of comfort and have a hope burning in our hearts. Because Christ is there. And there we find the answer. But do we truly understand this and seek the Lord just as the hemorrhaging woman was seeking the Lord? If we go to Romans chapter 3. And we'll read in verse 10 and 17. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And the way of peace, excuse me, this is not the right verse. I'm sorry, we're going to read 10 and 11. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, and there is none that seeketh after God. Do we seek God this morning? Do we seek to understand His character? If you go to Romans chapter 2 verse 4, read the following, Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. This verse tells us that we need to be leaded to repentance. Yes, amen. Because we fail to see that God is awaiting us with His open arms. We need to be leaded unto repentance. Amen. I'm going to read from Steps to Christ, page 46. But what do we give up when we give all? When we give all as we seek the Lord in repentance. A sin-polluted heart for Jesus to purify, to cleanse by His own blood, and to save by His matchless love. And yet men think it hard to give up all. I am ashamed to hear it spoken of, ashamed to write it. Why do we hesitate to come before the Lord? As we have the evidence in Christ that He can be trusted. The Satan, which is the accuser of the brethren, not Jesus. Why do we fail to see his character and come before him? We all have trust issues. It's not one with our spouses or with our children or as children with our father and mother. It's also with God. The remedy of this is Jesus Christ. Amen. When guests come to the lifestyle center, sometimes they have been struggling. Two sessions ago, there was a lady that has been fighting for two and ten years, resisting the Holy Spirit, not wanting to come to the lifestyle center. After ten years, she finally came. People are sometimes prejudiced regarding the health message, regarding Wildwood. But as they see and taste for themselves, the hearts are touched. 
Briefly in the announcement it was mentioned that hydrotherapy is a wonderful way to bring health to the body. And this is also a way to build trust again. Because you spend time with one another. When you go to a doctor and he prescribes you and he gives you a pill, you don't feel like you've been hurt. But with hydrotherapy, it's another way around. You actually spend time with each other and you bond. Because it takes a time to actually perform a treatment. You pray, maybe you get a massage, or a water and hot and cold treatment, and you spend time with each other. You bond with each other. And this is where the healing begins. And this is where up during the hydro treatment. In the Ministry of Healing, page 226, we reach the following. Christ's servants are the channel of His working. And through them, He desires to exercise His healing power. It is our work to present the sick and the suffering to God in the arms of our faith. We should teach them to believe in the great healer. God entrusts His people to raise them up in their faith. God entrusts trusts us. And as God trusts us, that trust is being brought to the guests at Wildwood. Through the treatment, they see that God is still engaged. They're able to trust. There's an Quotation in the Ministry of Healing, page 145, which says, The restoration and uplifting of humanity begins in the home. In the home we learn to trust. It's not for nothing that Jesus said that we should have the faith of children. That children trust their father and mother. It's in the home setting that we learn to trust and learn to trust God once again. I've been raised up as an Adventist. But I left home of the Adventist church, and that's his home, of course, at the age of 19. I'm 30 now. I left the church because I did not have an experience with Christ in church. And I perceived that this was the reason. Often when we come to church, we want to portray ourselves as being the perfect Christians. Of course, we have a message and we believe in restoration. Sometimes we think that if I do not show that I am the perfect Christian, I'm not a true follower of Christ. So therefore, we portray ourselves to be perfect in the church. But is this actually true? Are we perfect? And are we actually lying if we portray ourselves to be perfect? And can there be trust if we lie in our acts? When we come to church, this is the moment when we can share. We come together as family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have, and as we have difficulties throughout the week, we can come to church and ask a brother to pray for us. To say, brother, I've had such a difficult week. Please help me. I've been struggling with this or this. Yeah. Then, when we open up, Christ is shown. Let's read from the second book of Corinthians. Verse 2, 3, and 3. 
Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. If we want to get acquainted with God and His character again, we need to understand that He is the God of all comfort and that He uses people and their faith to reveal Himself Amen. and His character as the God of all comfort. Amen. So as we go to church and we do not open up to each other, God cannot reveal Himself as the God of all comfort. The church did everything right. The Bible studies about Daniel, Revelation, and actually it was one of the reasons why I came back to church. But we also need to have that personal experience with Christ. And if it's there, we cannot just assume that children are able to see that. We need to educate them to see and learn them and teach them how to see Jesus in our midst. So I left church discouraged, picked up bad habits as smoking and drinking. This was detrimental not only to my physical life, but also to the home life, to our family life. Didn't want to participate in family gatherings. As my mom would come home from work, I would leave through the back door. My father often said that he's watching TV by himself. He misses his son next to him. I think back on this, it breaks my heart. But back then it left me cold. Because I now see that Christ brings value to life. And I didn't value life because I didn't see Christ. So I didn't care for my life, I didn't care for my parents. One night I came back home as it was my habit to come back home. I was expecting everyone fast asleep and the home quiet. So I opened the kitchen door and stepped into the kitchen. I heard someone crying. Slowly I walked from the kitchen into the living room and there I found my mom crying uncontrollably on the couch. My father next to her trying to comfort him, comfort her. I stood there for a while and I, and I watched. Finally I sat down next to her on the couch and the Holy Spirit convicted me. He says, Jerry, what have you done? It's because of you that your mother is torn apart and heartbroken. What are you going to do about this? I resisted. Because I know because of my detrimental habits that I found my mom there in despair. I left the room without saying anything. I went to my, to my bedroom. The next morning I saw that my mom was changed. <coughs> she brought everything before Christ. And there she found comfort. Only when we trust God with our lives, we can find comfort. And she understood that she was unable to change me, and she had to present me before the Lord. She said, God, you take my son. I entrust you with my son. She said, I cannot change him. Yes, Amen. She asked the church to keep on praying. Amen. This is what they did. She kept on interceding as well. 
she shared a couple of proverbs and she did this in the form of a paper. She printed three proverbs out and she put it on the door. And one of these proverbs I want to share with you is a Proverbs 15 verses 20. A wise son maketh a glad father, but the foolish man despised his mother. I passed that verse multiple times. Several months passed away. But when I saw that I was unable to control my mind anymore because of my detrimental habits, I was seeking for wisdom, I was reading philosophy, engaged in spiritualism, but I found myself empty-hearted. And I saw that I didn't care for my life. I said to myself, if I don't care for my life, let's live for my parents. I saw that I had one responsibility for as a son, is that to give back the love that I have received from my parents. I wanted to change my life for the sake of my parents. And this is what I did. And now we have a restored family again. Amen. Yeah. I'm so happy to be here. I never expected that I would stand here and speak the word of God. I'm grateful to be at Wildwood with like-minded students. All love the Lord. I'm grateful guidance of spiritual teachers. Grateful that we have a ministry, a campus like Wildwood. Great that we have churches like these that invite us and welcome us in their families. When I was baptized, the pastor said, Jerry, now you have this passport. Wherever you go, you have always a home. You can step in each church of the Adventist faith and you will have a home. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that family. I'm grateful to be here. Let's continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. God is called the God of all comfort, and He comforted us in all our tribulation. In every difficulty, during war, maybe we get fired from our jobs, maybe we're sick, God is there and He comforts us. It's us to make a decision unto us. If we want to receive the comfort of God, or do we want to go through the difficulties ourselves? And if we receive the comfort of Him, Paul continues, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I shared my testimony, likewise I did here, and there was a lady, I was leading out in devotions on Monday, she came to me and she started to cry and she said, Jerry, I have a really, really difficult time at home. My husband is in church, but he sleeps during the sermons and my son sees that and sleeps as well. He's always playing on his device on his iPad and he's only have eyes for the games. She saw that her husband was lying to her multiple times. 
She was discouraged. Family broken apart. But as she heard my testimony, she found hope. She saw that it was hope for her son to really be devoted to Christ. As she saw that I made a decision for Christ as well. I was able to impart hope to her because, to her because I received hope from God. We are enabled to give what we have received from God. If you go to Isaiah 53, we see the reason why we are enabled to be comforted. going to read in verse 6 to start off with all we like sheep have gone astray we know that Isaiah in first chapter 59 verse 2 it says that sin separates us because we do not trust each other we go all our own ways because we do not want to trust each other with our difficulties and with our stories I appealed to the guest one time to to trust each other with our stories and to open up and there was one lady that says that if I go to the church back home and I share, they say, please don't share because we have our own problems. Do we want to be there for our fellow brothers and sisters? Do we want to share the comfort that we have received from God? Let's read in verse 4. Surely had borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yes. Jesus has gone through the same things. And he carries our sorrows. He bears our griefs. And therefore we are able. To find comfort. As yes. so we come before the cross. And seek the face of Jesus. Yes. We find a sorrowing. And pitying Savior. That want to take up. want to take up. Our difficulties. Our sorrow. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Only if we are at peace with God, there is healing. Only if you come before the Lord and see Jesus, what He's gone through, we'll bear our arms. And this is actually what the gospel, the medical missionary work does. I read from Medical Ministry, page 239, paragraph 2. Medical missionary works brings to humanity the gospel of release, of suffering. It is the pioneer work of the gospel is the gospel practiced, the compassion of Christ revealed. If we want to reveal Christ, His character, the lost ones around us, we'll share it through medical missionary work. We can knock on a doorway and ask they want a Bible study, but they might close the door. If we show them that they truly care and maybe offer a therapy like a hydrotherapy, they will see that we actually care and want to spend time with them. These days, old people are just put in nursing homes and no one looks after them. 
but it's through medical missionary work that we show that we want to spend time with them that they may understand that they are valuable and in that we show the compassion of Christ let's go to Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 and there you find one of the most beautiful appeals in the Bible Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul appeals to us, bear ye another's burdens. We're not called to be like Christ and to go through the same difficulties. No, but we can point out Christ and we can share what we love about God. We can be a shoulder to someone. Maybe even just a smile. If we come close to people, we are able to bear their burdens. Let's go to Matthew 10 as we close. Matthew 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Why do we hesitate to give? Search your heart what you have received of God and give. Give with confidence. Give with love. And see that people will be touched and be brought towards God. He entrusts us with the ministry of reconciliation as we pray, as we go before people and share the word, Be ye reconciled. God will hold us accountable. Let us be faithful stewards of the manifold grace that we have received. Therefore, being justified by faith, we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also stand in the grace that we have received. And we hope in the glory of God. Often we think that hope is for the hopeless. But when we receive Jesus' love, we understand that we have the love received as an evidence. And the writes that love shown to a few is not love, but selfishness. Let's share that love that we have received in Christ. Desire of Ages, page 195 says, Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God, a kingdom of love, as a missionary. We are ambassadors of love. Let's pray for closing. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we pray that you take our hearts We pray for forgiveness, Father, because we do not seek you as you seek us. Forgive us, Lord, and humble our hearts, that you may exalt it at due time for the glory of God. Forgive us for Jesus' name's sake, for your truth's sake, and for your mercy's sake, Lord. I ask you, forgive us. 
that we may come before you, Lord, and this may be the time that we consecrate ourselves fully. You say, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. That you may impart us, Father, a love for truth and a love for your will. It was Jesus that said, I delight to do your will, Father. Yes. The law is within my heart. That we may receive that same love, Father, in our hearts and minds. Prepare us for a great duty, Father, for a task that you have entrusted us to do so, Father. We pray that we may bury our enmity towards you. But that we may receive Christ with love. And as we depart from this church, Father, that we may depart as ambassadors, as missionaries for Christ, Father, on fire. I'm so grateful, Father, that I had the possibility to speak and to be here before yes. my brothers and sisters. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this humbling experience. Thank you, Father, that I was able to share, Lord, and I pray that this message may be carried forth. Bring us closely, Lord, in Jesus. That we may trust each other, but even more trust you. Thank you, Father. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.